0: This episode brought to you by Nota, powered by m and Bank. Nota is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOTA account management. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply.
1: This episode brought to you by Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365, just call 866-827-5568.
2: Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future.
3: Welcome. I'm your host, Lyle Moran. My guest today is Joyce Tong Ulrich. She's a founding partner of Tong Tajani, a fairly new boutique law firm focused on government contracts. Joyce previously worked on the legal teams at two well-known big tech companies and also has big law experience. Our conversation will focus on her new firm's subscription-based pricing model and its utilization of outside legal talent. Joyce, thanks for joining me.
0: Happy to be here.
3: Joyce, could you start off sharing briefly about your professional background prior to starting Tong to Johnny?
0: Sure. I started right out of law school into a a large um, law firm. And from that point on, I had uh, was trained in government contracts law for about 10 years, practiced and dealt with commercial technology companies, commercial companies in general, advising them when their government contracts and government customers were only one industry vertical and was not the primary target of their business. So most of these companies were not defense contractors. They were not uh, well-versed in federal government contracting, state and local. They had pretty much every question that would come through the door from how do we respond to FOIA requests all the way up to uh, we lost a bid, how do we deal with that? So I did that for about 10 years. And then I decided to pivot and go in-house And at that time, um, I went over to Microsoft and worked there for about four and a half years, where I dealt with their government contract compliance program and set it up for their U.S. and worldwide um, sales. In that role, I also worked with my current partner, but we never worked together. We were always kind of ships passing in the night. And she faced the sales team and advised them on how to negotiate with government customers, whereas I made sure that we could comply with all of the restrictions and requirements that government customers would put on us. After about four and a half years, I went over to Facebook and I was there for two years doing very similar things, setting up their government contract compliance program. And then also, because Facebook had such a minor part of government sales and was just starting to ramp up, I also advised their sales teams on go-to-market strategy and how to comply again with government requirements, US and worldwide. My partner went over to VMware and after two years there, she called me and said, hey, I have this crazy idea. Um, We've seen how law firms work and we've received products from law firms that we haven't been happy with. What if we decided to go out and do our own little law firm and offered the types of services the way that our experience at these tech companies had indicated they wanted. So some of the things that they that we thought about were the variable billing. Every month you would have a different amount for the invoice. It might be fifty thousand dollars one month, it might be zero the next, it could be a hundred and $50,000 the month after that. And for an in-house attorney, that makes it very difficult to budget. You can't budget for something that you don't know is going to come. So we thought, well, we work at these tech companies, and they both offered and they all offered products that were based on the subscription base. So we thought it would be a unique and innovative offering to say, hey, what if we did legal services the same way in terms of offer a subscription where they would pay a set amount per month, where they would get pick up the phone or email access to us. And the main guidelines were as long as we didn't have to give you a work product, in other words, a a letter or um, a bid protest or anything like that, it would be included in the fee we thought that would land really well with tech companies it would be a language that they're used to speaking in terms of subscription services and it would be a win-win on on both sides at the same time we realized that as a two-person law firm we would always field questions regarding how we scale so we had the subscription idea in terms of day-to-day questions but then what would happen if a large project came up and so we decided that we would use freelance attorneys that are highly trained a lot of them had been in law firms for 10-15 years were very experienced and very highly qualified but decided for whatever reason they didn't want to be at a law firm or they didn't want to go in-house or whatever personal reasons they had and we're willing to to be freelance attorneys. So we thought the combination of a subscription, the ability to have predictable pricing, the ability to scale with these, uh, again, the same idea, you know freelance attorneys are are very similar to cloud services where if you if you need the work, then you have the attorney. If you don't need the work, you don't pay for the attorney. And that's the same thing cloud services do. The more you use, the more you pay. If you don't use anything, you don't pay anything. So we thought those two concepts would really resonate with our customers. And and frankly, the fact that we're very good at what we do also adds to the idea that we would do well.
3: Right, well, you... um. Raised a lot of different issues that I want to delve further into. Let's start off with the subscription-based pricing model. You explained some reasons why you thought it would be a good approach. What has the reception been like from clients so far when they're offered um, subscription-based pricing?
0: Well, you, you know, Lyle, that's a, that's a funny question because we thought it would land spectacularly. We thought this would help every client because when we're in – in-house and we needed to provide budget numbers. We were never able to do it. It was always just a guess. And we thought, okay, we're gonna offer this product, every tech company that we know, all of our clients are gonna love it and they're gonna sign up for it. That didn't happen. What we realized was law is still a very traditional uh, practice. And even though there is variability in budgeting, the attorneys in house are used to that. So that's what they expect. And every single time we would bring up the idea of a subscription model, the the responding question was, but really, what's your hourly rate? And we're like, no, we don't want to talk about the hourly rate. That's not what we're trying to do here. We want to offer you a service where we can be part of your team, part of your trusted advisor, you know, you can come and ask us any questions whenever you want, more flexibility for you and your team, more of a lot, you know, more standard billing, this is a win-win for everyone, and then they would still come back and ask us for hourly rates, and I think that the, the struggle they had was the scope of work, how do they justify paying an attorney, an outside attorney, a set amount of money every month without knowing what their needs are gonna be. So it's just like the variability in the billing. They don't like the fact that they get, you know, 50,000 one, one month, 100,000 the next, but at least they know at that point they needed the attorney to do the work. Whereas in our model, you pay in advance for something that you may need and you sign up in advance for that and you don't know whether or not you need us. What we found is that over, we start with hourly rates and doing work on an hourly basis. We've had several clients convert over into a subscription based um, model. And those clients I believe are, are quite happy with the way that it's going. The ironic thing is, the ones that have converted are not traditional tech companies they're the little uh service disabled veteran-owned small business who wants to be able to call an attorney and just ask questions whenever he has a question and that's very helpful for him so we have priced this subscription for him to be at a rate that he can afford he gets the same pick up the phone access to us but the questions that he's asking are really off the top of our head, you know, gut answers from us, from our experience. And anything else that we do for them, we charge them an hourly rate in their, or, or a flat fee. So it's worked really well for him. And then the other clients that have signed up for it, it, it is very similar where they know they have a set number of projects they need to get with, done within a cert, set period of time. And they hire us pay us a subscription fee for a set amount of time every single month, and and we do all of the projects for them that they listed out originally.
3: Right, and you know, you mentioned like this service disabled small business example. Um, what other types of clients have been willing to try the subscription approach?
0: We have one other client that has converted to a subscription it's a very large Fortune 50 technology company. And with them, we started hourly and project-based. So we would get give them, um, we had several different ways of, of offering services to them. We'd like to meet our clients where they are and what they want. So we gave them the option of buying a bucket of hours at a discounted rate. Um, the more you bought, the bigger the discount, and then we would spend against it. We also offered the pure fixed fee in terms of project-based analysis. You give us a project, we quote you a a fee for the project and we deliver the project you pay us. And then we also did some work for them that was pure hourly based. And we ended up, after doing a couple of fixed fee projects for them, (laughs) the attorney that we work with basically called us and said, okay, so I have a set of seven projects that need to get done within the next year, instead of having you quote all seven projects at a fixed fee, why don't we just agree upon, you know, a set amount every month and we'll go with that. So she came around to being the, the subscription model after seeing our work for the the fixed fee projects.
3: Interesting. Now, with subscription pricing, do you have different tiers depending on the work that you're going to do for a client?
0: Absolutely. So our lowest tier is purely pick up the phone and purely email responses where we don't have to give you work product. We don't have to give you, you know, do any extra research. That is our lowest level. We even support some very small businesses that are startups and for them we would you know quote them the same price but then put limitations in on you know if you want us to go even lower that's fine but we would have limits on how many times you could call us and or a total number of hours that we would spend on your projects that month all the way up to we have 10 deals we need to have signed within the next three months how much would you price that out to be? And not knowing if they're all going to hit in month one or month three, knowing that you you could have two months where you're not doing anything and just collecting a check or having it be evenly spaced out. It will all just depend on the sales deals and, and how quickly they're able to land those sales all the way to the client that I was talking about where it's a year long process with them. They've committed to a set amount per month and we're working on to begin with two large projects. And as months go by, they keep adding projects onto our plate, but they recognize we can't do it all at once. So what they do is it just ends up being, we move from one project to the next Once we complete one, we move on to the next one and we just get paid the same uh, subscription fee during that period of time.
3: Right. And what type of projects do you think work best with the subscription pricing approach?
0: You know, I think the pricing approach applies to any project. I think the hardest type of project to deal with for subscription is litigation-based, where if all your... thinking about is how to litigate or protest different denials or wins of government contracts, because that's not something you can really predict whether or not the business wants to do that litigation. And usually the turnaround is really short timeframes. So the briefs are usually due within a week or two. And so you'll have a lot of work and then you wait it's because there are so many variables in that, in terms of whether the business wants to go after it, whether they have the funds to do it, there's so many variables that it's really hard to price out a strict litigation package. But for pretty much every other type of product project in terms of general pick up the phone access, general government contracts advice, general terms and conditions for SAS Uh, companies that are targeting government uh, sales to closing a set number of deals to redrafting terms of service, all of those can be done through a subscription and priced correctly. So I think the, the hardest thing is litigation, but pretty much everything else can be covered by a subscription.
3: Perfect. Well, we'll be back after a short break.
0: This episode is sponsored by NOTA, powered by MIT Bank. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply.
1: As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365, as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN.
3: Welcome back to my conversation with Joyce Tong Ulrich of Tong Tajani. Joyce, you explain why you think the subscription-based pricing approach would appeal to clients. How does having a subscription-based model benefit your firm?
0: In terms of subscription-based models for the firm, it allows us to have regular income It's great for us for that. But on the other hand, what's extremely beneficial is we feel the ability to actually become a part of the business and become that trusted advisor. Whereas in a normal situation when you're billing by the hour, you may not feel like you have the time or you don't feel right in billing the customer when you're just trying to get to know them. Whereas in this case, with a subscription, our best interest is to understand what they do and how they do it so we can provide the best advice. And since it's already covered, um, learning about the business and becoming their trusted advisor is a lot easier uh, when we don't have to worry about the billable hour and how should we charge the client for this, should we not charge the client for it specifically we we even we tell them all of our clients at the very beginning when we onboard them that we spend up to an hour to two hours of our own time just getting to know their products and we think that that gives us a good grounding for how to best provide the advice on a subscription basis so when they call us and they have a question about whatever product they're they're presenting an issue we know exactly what they're talking about and we can give them that off the top of our head answer without having to do research and try to figure out, okay, so how does that product work? What does it do? Why are you asking this question? We already have all that information so that we can give the best advice as soon as they call. Hmm.
3: And something you mentioned early on when you were talking about how the idea for the firm came about was you know needing to turn to outside attorneys to scale. And I'm wondering how you make that decision of when it's time to bring on outside help.
0: So what we've discovered is our whole idea of scaling was we knew that we had several other small law firms that were minority owned that helped us get started and that they all have specialties in their specific areas. So there's one that deals with FCPA, there's another that deals with investigations. We knew that if we needed that help, we could find them. So in the back of our mind, we said, okay, if there are firms that do this, little one person, two person shops that have the vast experience that our friends have, there have to be other attorneys that do the same type of work, that are technology attorneys, or government contracts attorneys. What we found is that it's hard to find someone who sits at that intersection, who both have the technology experience as well as the government contract experience, but we can find either a technology attorney or a government contract attorney. So what we thought was we'll find those individuals, we'll vet them on our own, make sure that they provide the work product and up, that's up to our standard that we would be comfortable giving it to a client and as the work comes in if it's something that makes more sense for one of our alliance attorneys which is what we call them to do because they have better experience or they have more expertise in that area then we will have one of them and bring them on to to do that particular work a lot of times our clients will request that we find an Alliance attorney to review an NDA or a different type of agreement because they know it doesn't need the high level of experience that Zora and I have. And in those cases we do, we will go out to our Alliance attorneys and find you know the, the right one that best fits that project. And then there are other times where just because of bandwidth and because we are a two person shop, we need one of the Alliance attorneys to do the first rough cut or the first integration of terms or whatever or, or red flag review of the agreement. In those cases we'll utilize the alliance attorney in that way and that way we can focus on the high level delivery of other projects while they're working on that and then really take over when it's time to review and give it to the client. So it, it they aren't Associates, They aren't junior associates. We're not training them on the client's do- dollar, like many law firms do. These are highly skilled. They may not want to call themselves experts, but we like to think that they are highly skilled, very good at what they do, highly experienced attorneys who have done this over and over again. And we bring them in on a project basis based on what they have told us they enjoy working on, as well as what our client needs are. Because what we found is people who enjoy what they do give great work product. And that's why we try to match the project to the attorney that has the most interest in it. We don't want someone who, who doesn't like to do what they're doing give us, you know, if you don't like doing litigation, we don't want you giving us um, a statement of facts.
3: <laughs> hmm. That makes sense. Now, are there certain platforms that you're turning to that you know have a an array of contract attorneys at the ready that you find yourself using?
0: So we have a, two platforms, Latitude Legal and Montage Legal. They are freelance attorney placement companies. So they're not law firms. They're essentially similar to temporary staffing agencies, but for legal services. And what we found is we'll ask them for whatever type of attorney we're looking for. Uh, We've been asking a lot for government contract attorneys and we'll interview them They'll work on a couple of projects for us as a firm to see if they're the right fit in terms of their work product, how they work, how they communicate, and whether we feel comfortable. We could put them in front of a client, and if they pass our, you know, exam, then we provision them onto a client.
3: Great. Now, why do you prefer turning to contract attorneys instead of hiring more lawyers at your firm?
0: That's a great question. I think contract attorneys and our alliance attorneys in particular are these high level experienced attorneys that have their own businesses and want to do run their own businesses. And they may partner with us to help a client, but they don't necessarily want to come and be an, a, an associate attorney with us on a firm. They have their own business, they have their own uh, way of doing things. and. I think it's it's a win-win for both because we pick the best attorney for the project and we get the best work out of that attorney whereas they get steady work in addition to, you know, the other work that they do. So, I could see us being a similar alliance attorney with one of our current alliance attorneys if they had a a project that came up that needed government contract help or needed technology support. And they came to us to ask for us to support them. I could see that happening. I just think that the world today and what we've seen with our, our little group of small law firm minority owners is we get together and we talk. But we don't want the big infrastructure of a law firm. We don't need that type of overhead. We don't necessarily think that it's the the best way to develop talent. And so we don't want to turn into the traditional law firm and hire a lot of associates and have to train them and deal with it in that way we think that this is a more efficient and effective solution for our clients and for ourselves and you know that's part of the reason why large companies hire their in-house attorneys from law firms because they allow them to train them and then the in-house attorneys you know the 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 companies hire them to become in-house attorneys when they're already trained likewise we don't think that we need to train attorneys. We want to find the best support for our clients and the best advice. And that lends itself to the freelance alliance attorneys rather than hiring attorneys ourselves. Hmm.
3: You know, another thing that it seems you did in maybe a bit of a non-traditional way was, I understand you did a bit of a beta launch before formally launching the firm. And I was hoping you could just kind of briefly describe what you mean by a beta launch.
0: Sure. So, For technology companies, they launch products in alpha and beta mode. And what they do is when they launch the products, they launch them to select individuals or companies, and they test them and work the bugs out of all of their products, not all the bugs, but the big bugs they work out of their products before they go for general release. So what we did was we had a beta launch in October-November of 2019 and really what that meant was we all we had was our logo and our incorporated status we didn't have a website we didn't have you know we had our practice management software but very little beyond that and we reached out to some of our close contacts who we thought would be interested in our services And they became our beta users where we would test out the different strategies in terms of, you know, is the subscription going to work? Is our model of scaling with Alliance attorneys going to work? Um, Do they like the idea of predictable pricing? And we did that for a couple of months and got a pretty good response. And then COVID hit. And from that point on, it kind of everything fizzled out. So we were in the middle of our beta we had made some learnings and we said okay we'll pivot to doing our website and you know getting all of our other ducks in a row during the beta launch so we did all of that and finally did a formal launch which meant that we had you know our practice software set up we had our banking set we had our office situation set we had all of the pieces that we needed to run a full-fledged law firm in place and we formally launched saying yes now we're open for business we're able to take clients and talk to them and once we did that we did that in may of 2020 and by june july our formal launch worked we had apparently worked out all the kinks because We had clients coming to us, and it didn't feel like we were building the airplane while we're trying to fly it, which is kind of how the beta felt.
3: Great. And would you say you've had a steady stream of work since then?
0: Oh, yes. Um, Since July to the present, it just has more work has has come in the door day after day.
3: Terrific. Well, Joyce, thanks so much for joining me.
0: Thank you. This has been a pleasure.
3: I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to rate and review the Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing
2: off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit legalrebels.com, legaltalknetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.